Welcome to Christian Family Center. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy today's message as we preach on living, loving, walking, and influencing for Jesus. Be blessed. I remember me, Pastor Dwayne, when probably the first year he was here, he preached a sermon called Sit, Walk, Stand. Everybody remember that, those who are here? Sit, walk, stand. You sit with Christ in heavenly places, so you sit in a position of authority. You walk in Christ in the power that is yours by right, by right of that sitting, and you stand in the day of adversity because you're first and foremost seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So it's all linked. It's like a process. You have to sit before you can walk. You have to walk before you can stand. It's one of those sort of sermons where you have to, um, and it's about authority, uh, great faith. And this is one of those sermons where you have to be under faith, uh, under authority before you can be in authority, before you can then walk with authority. So we're going to look at this man's walk and uh, have a look at those three ideas that we have to be under authority, in authority, so that we might minister with authority. So we all at uh, Luke 7. And um, are you ready this morning? Have you come expected? Is it one of those days where oh, I've got to go to church because I have to be there? I'm, a, I'm a, a part of the service itself, so I have to go. Or are you excited about being here? I'm excited. Amen. I believe God's got some good things in store for us. So let's read from verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all this uh, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. So this man was in a desperate state. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. In verse 4, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, saying, this man deserves to have you do this. And it's quite interesting that they would declare that, make that statement. Because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them, excuse me. He was not far from the house when, he, when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I'm not deserving to have you come under my roof. Uh, that is why I did not uh, even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. Then he goes on in verse 8 to say, For I also, I myself, am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. This one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And verse 9 is where we want to look at. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. I want Jesus to be amazed of my life. Amen? I don't just want him to be um, uh, interested. I just don't want him to be involved in some, uh, uh, some sort of uh, level of, of, uh, of relationship. I want him to be amazed that I am a servant of the Most High God. Amen? I want him to say, this is my faithful servant in whom I trust. I want him to say to me at the end of my day, come in, thou good and faithful servant. I want him to be amazed by me. And to do that, according to this scripture, we have to walk in amazing faith. And so what started out as a statement of authority suddenly becomes an amazing thing in the, in the hearing of Jesus that he makes this statement, I have never found such great faith, not all in, not only, not all in Israel. So let's uh, look at the story. It tells a Roman centurion based in Cape and Am, 
a man of power, humility, and compassion. So he was compassionate because his servant was dear to him, was sick, ready to die. And in verse 3, he says, When he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, and they begged him earnestly to come so that it might heal his servant. So he was a compassionate man. He was a man of humility. He says in verse 7, I didn't even, did not even think myself worthy to come to you or that you should enter under my roof. He was a man of power. So he says in verse 8, For I so also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. So he was a man of authority. And then verse 7, he makes that amazing statement, But say the word, and my servant will be healed. And it was that point Jesus was amazed. See, he wasn't amazed that he was a man of compassion. He wasn't amazed that he was a generous man. He wasn't amazed that he was a, a man who was in authority but had a heart towards people. He wasn't amazed by these things. These things were commonplace. Uh, you know, he wasn't sort of, wow, you built a synagogue for the Jews? Wow, you love the Jewish people? Being a Roman, you love the Jew? He wasn't amazed by those things. He was amazed when he heard that statement, say the word only and my servant will be healed. See, he was amazed because the man demonstrated great faith. Now we can, as children of God, we can try to be generous. We can try to be uh, compassionate. We can do all those things. But the things that move the heart of God is faith. Is faith. See, he says to the Jews, I have not found faith in this nation. And there's a verse of scripture that talks about him coming back in Luke 18, 8. And he says this, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Not will he find generosity, not will he find compassion, not will he find authority, but will he find faith? People exercising faith. And so I want to look at that from that perspective, but also I want to look at the heart of the man that brought him to that, to that point in life where he was able to say to Jesus, just say the word only. Just say the word only, and it shall be done. So if we want to look at the man that made the statement, we will see that it's authority at the core root of it. See, great faith is not limited to great men. Amen? Great faith is not limited to great men but to those who understand authority and act accordingly. See, this man was great. Even by today's standards, we would have pinned a medal on him as a humanitarian of the year. But Jesus wasn't moved by those things. He was moved when he said what he said. Just say the word only, and my servant will be healed. Then he said, wow. I want to live in a world where I trust Jesus that much that I can say to him, all you have to do is say the word. And I know it will come to pass. You with me so far? See, great faith is not limited to great men. This man was great even by today's standards, but great faith is for those who understand and walk in authority. So let's look at the man that made Jesus marvel. Uh, let's look at, have insight into the man, mind that maketh the man. And three things that stand out. As I said before, under authority, in authority, and with authority. He says in verse 8, For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say, go, and he goes, and another come, and he comes. And to my servant do this, and he does it. I want you to look at that word that's uh, in between those two. I also am a man under authority. And he uses the term placed. I am a man placed under authority. And um, it's delegated authority. 
There are two types of authority that I, that, that I understand in this, uh, in this verse of Scripture. There's delegated authority, that was given by man, and there's ultimate authority, that was given by God. One is limited, one is unlimited. Okay, so with that in mind, let's look at this man's authority. See, as a centurion, he was a military, it was a military term, and he would have commanded an army of 100 men. Place suggests that he understood the chain of command and the role that he played. He says, I am under authority, and I have men under me, under my authority. See, the word authority here is the word exousia. It's the right to command, judge, or to rule. It's the right to act based on position rather than strength, the freedom of action. Now, I was surprised when I thought, read that, because it said what it means to me is that authority is simply me free from those things that would persuade most men so that I might then make a ruling or a judgment based on clear thought. And what I mean by that is, if this man having authority was to abuse that power, he could have used that power for his own glory. But basically what he did was use his power to the benefit of all. He helped the Jews build a synagogue. He loved them because of their relationship, I believe, with the God that they truly believed in. And uh, he went and sent for Jesus, even though his servant was uh, sick. Now, you know, a centurion, a man under authority, a man in authority, wouldn't worry too much about a servant, you know, because he can just, if that one dies, he can just go and get another one. They were slaves in those days, so they freely bought. But this man was so moved by his servant's willingness to serve that it moved him to the point where he now was willing to go out or send people out to find Jesus to come and heal his servant, which I thought was astonishing, amazing. So it's the right to command, to judge, or to rule, the right to act. So the Bible would suggest that the power that we were... If you read... When you read Scripture and you read it about the, the crucifixion of Jesus, and I've actually had this stated. Somebody said to me one day, he said, Satan is more powerful than God because he was able to kill the Son of God. And sometimes you can read it in that context. It says, had they taken him... Their authority must be greater than the authority that Jesus served. And you can think that the powers of this world are more powerful than the powers of heaven because they are able to take the Son of God and to crucify him. But when you read 10.18, it puts it in the right perspective. Because 10.18 says this, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power or I have authority to lay it down and I have power or I have authority to take it again. This command I received from my Father. See, Jesus knew that he had authority to lay his life down. So when they came to take him, even Pilate spoke over him and said, don't you know I have the authority to save your life? And Jesus answered him and said this, you have no authority over me unless my father give it. See, Jesus understood authority because he was a man under authority. And so when they took his life, it wasn't because they were more powerful or they had a greater authority or served a greater power. It was because Jesus had power over his own life and was willing to lay it down. Therefore, he laid it down and no man took it from him. Amen? There is a freedom that we have as a people of God that allows us to then make choices based on that free will. 
We are no longer slaves to sin. Amen? We are a free generation of believers. You are free by the Son of God. If the Son has set you free, therefore you are free to do whatever you please with your life. You can lay it down in the service of a king or you can take it up into your own hands and walk on in this world. Amen? But you have a free will. You have the authority over your life to lay it down or to take it up again. But the authority is yours. Satan has no power over you because of who you are in Christ Jesus. We were in darkness, now we're in light. Amen? We came out of one kingdom into another. And when you gave your life to Jesus, you confessed your sins because by confessing it, you acknowledged it. And by acknowledging it, you were set free from it. And the next, very next thing you did as a son of God or a daughter of the living God, you gave your life to Jesus. Amen? You were free from sin so that you can now make choice and give your life to whoever you will. And you gave it to Jesus. So you stepped out from under one power into the authority of another. You are now the children, the son of God, sons and daughters of the most high God. Amen? Yeah. Come on, let's get excited about it. I, I, you know, this, this morning it seems like, yeah, just in church. This is just church. Come on, people. This is a place where life begins. This is where life is. We are children of the Most High God. And because we have that, the potential of great things to develop and great things to be done is a very real expectation. Amen? Things happen where God is. Okay. Let me just have a... Glory. He had authority. And, you know, sometimes we have a um, trouble with authority, don't we? I mean, we have authoritarians in town. We have the police force, people that carry guns and flog things. Plo- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we have people who are authorians, authoritarians, and they're given authority by a government uh, department that says, now you have the authority to walk in that authority that I have. But can you imagine if they weren't under the authority of, of the governmental officials, how that they can abuse that authority and use it for their own gain? But having placed themselves under the authority, I would suggest you went through a ceremony of sorts. Hold a hand up. Over that. Yeah. Swear allegiance to the... Yeah. Same as being born again. Hand over the heart. I swear to that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Okay. Let's move on. But just to highlight that, our police force are under authority. They walk in authority and command with authority. You know, when Jesse wouldn't stand out in front of a, a, an 18 wheeler barreling down the highway if she didn't have a gun. No, he didn't have a uniform. <laughs> Can you imagine her standing up there going like this? Do you reckon they'd stop? But when she's got the full array, full array on, when she's all dressed in her uniform and got the, the badge, where's the badge? Badge on the, no badge? Badge, okay. Do you get the shine the badge? Like I do, ah, cool. Stop. As soon as she gets out there, they see the uniform, they see the badge, they see the gun, and they stop. Why? Because she's in authority, having first placed herself under authority, and then she commands with authority. The same thing with the children of God. Same sort of setup. So he has under authority. Um, 
So Jesus was a man under authority, and that's best demonstrated by that phrase in the garden when he says to the Father, If it is possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you will. And I thought that was an awesome declaration of of faith. Okay. So he was under authority. Next he was in authority. He says, I have soldiers under me. See, he knew that his authority was limited. He could order men, but he could not control sickness. See, as I said before, there are two types of authority represented here. There's the authority of man that is delegated, that is limited. But there's also the authority of God that is unlimited. So he had the authority of man that allowed him to command a regiment of a 100 men. But he didn't have the authority to control sickness. His servant was sick. And, you know, sometimes as a dad... I have authority in the home as much as I'm... No, I'm not saying. I have authority in the home, but when my children come to me sick, I don't rely on my own authority to cast out. I call on the name of Jesus because Jesus says to me, uh, uh, you have authority in my name. You have the right to, to, to say my name. And it's in the name of Jesus that sickness is healed. Amen? So he knew he had authority, but he knew that his authority was limited. There were things he could do, but there was also things he couldn't. And he knew when he heard about Jesus that he was a man in authority. He heard how Jesus cast out devils. He heard how Jesus um, uh, healed the sick. He heard how Jesus raised the dead. And he thought in his own heart that as I'm a man under authority and I understand authority, I know that I know that I know that that man has authority over sickness. Amen? So what does he do? He sends for Jesus. Because his authority was limited. He only had authority in the home. He had authority around the town. But he didn't have authority into the supernatural realm. You and I as children of God have authority over the supernatural realm. We are delegated authority. Jesus said, I send you out. But we have access to the power of God that allows that unlimited authority to become a part of our plan for the community. Amen? We can heal the sick. In the name of Jesus. We can raise the dead in the name of Jesus. We can cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Yeah? You're looking at me strange. This is not new stuff. You've all heard it before. We have authority. But before we can be in authority, we have to place ourselves under authority. Let me, let me demonstrate that by an everyday event. Um, you see, I... I I sometimes um, think that there's a lack of respect for authority, and I've heard it in the community. There's a lack of respect there for authority and a lack of respect for things in general. And I I believe that we whittle away at authority because we don't know who we are. Uh, What I mean by that is I will say to my, uh, say, for example, Helena was still this high. And I would say to her, Helena... um, well, even in a shopping center, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of putting this together as I'm going along. In a shopping center, you know, she plays up, and she used to play up something terrible, absolutely terrible, I tell you. When she talked about her sins confessed before, that was one of them. She used to just play up something terrible. And so we would say to her, because we didn't want to embarrass uh, ourselves in that situation, we would say to her, you wait till I get you home. How many with me? How many have said that? You wait until I get you home. But what happens when you get home? Nothing. Nothing. The next time you go shopping, does it again. And then you say the same, very same thing. You wait till I get you home. Get her home? Nothing. 
You know what's happening? Every time nothing takes place, we erode that authority that we have in Jesus. We have to be people of our word so that when we say something, it has to be done. Because when we don't do it, it's eroding our authority. It's cutting away at the very foundations of the things that God died for on the cross for you and I. To walk in authority, having power over our own lives and also power over our circumstances. Can you say amen to that this morning? You have authority, but every time you don't live up to what you say, you erode that authority that you have. And suddenly you have no authority, no respect, because you are complacent about carrying out our threat. Just an example of what I believe to be is a problem of today. I, I talked to a, um, uh, interesting, I talked to a um, ex-policeman uh, uh, in the park, and I only had one conversation with him, so, um, and he was um, in a detective department, I think, and he made this statement, just in general conversation, and he made this statement, I don't know how it, even how it came about, but he said, the police force no longer is a police force, it's a police service. Now, I don't want to offend the police because I know you carry guns. But what he mean, what, he, what I believe he was saying there, because it shook me, he said, whoa, he's a, you know, because I understand, you know, I, I come from, I've been in, in the um, AOG for some time now, for 37, 38 years, something. And, um, you know, you, the good old days are always there. I, sometimes I like to, I'd like to go back to those great moments, but see, in my heart, my, my heart wants to go there, but in my head, I know that better is to come, so I'm sort of pulled between these two, these two worlds, the world that was and the world that God is now building, and I do understand that it's going to be a greater, greater thing. God is going to do something wonderful in the, uh, in the church, but I'd love to go back there, so I thought in my mind, what he's saying is he loves the old days, you know, when, when they were allowed to kick out the backside if you were playing up, and they found you in the street at 12 o'clock at night, you know, you're this, this age, this high, and they were allowed to just kick out the backside and tell you to get home. Nowadays, they kick out the backside, kids this size can sue them for, uh, for abuse of power. But he was of that era where they were a force, a police force. And he made this statement, he said something along the lines of, it no longer has the force, it's just a service. It's a service to the community. I see Jess uh, working her head there, shaking her head. It's no longer a force to be reckoned with. There was a fear to be had. and not a, not a, It was a healthy fear. I mean, when we saw the cops coming, we, we took off because we knew if we fell into their hands, then we were going to get a slap across the ear. And, you know, I, I, I think that's... That's... Anyway, I'm just going to throw. I'm going to leave it like that. I don't want to get too much into too, too much trouble. But he just simply made that statement. He said, "It's no longer a police force; it's a service." You know, we can have that same sort of attitude that we're here to serve the community, and I know that we are. But really, we cannot do them any good unless this relationship is strong. Amen. We have to serve God first, so that we can best serve them. We can't just serve them without this. Because all it is is waste of time. But when we have this, when this is healthy, when this is strong, then we can best serve. See, man, this man knew that Jesus had authority. He had a relationship with God. He had power to heal. So because he had the power, he knew he was under authority and he was in authority. So when he sent for Jesus, he knew that this man could cast out devils. He knew that this man could heal. And so he sent for him and said, come heal my servant. And lastly, with authority. Um, 
But basically, you're gone in with authority right then. Uh, in authority is that he had soldiers under him. And with authority, he sent for Jesus. So he makes this statement. I say to one, go, and he goes, and another comes. He didn't understand. Maybe, maybe he didn't understand the supernatural aspects of this. Maybe he didn't understand that the healing would take place in the way that it did. Uh, maybe he thought that it was some sort of um, uh, process or, or, or program or, or some sort of formula that had to be uh, done. But all he understood was authority. All he understood was that he was a man under authority, in authority, and with authority, as limited as that authority was. He still had authority. So when he heard about Jesus, it doesn't matter what he thought in his mind. He just knew because he was a man in authority that Jesus was a man with authority that was able to speak into that circumstance because it was re- it was, he heard that he had healed and he heard that he had raised so he sent for him. And, you know, sometimes we don't necessarily have to understand uh, how God does stuff. I mean, he's, uh, he moves in miraculous ways. He's wanted to perform. We don't necessarily have to understand how it functions. All we have to know that it's possible in God. Amen? All we have to know that that is possible. The impossible becomes possible because God is unlimited authority. You see what I'm saying here this morning? We don't have to understand it. All we have to know is that when he speaks, things happen. The very foundation you stand upon this morning was spoken into place. It was created by the, the things that existed. The very things that we do, that we, you know, that tree outside there was spoken into place. It kept on going because the fruit from the tree generated that sort of growth pattern. But in the initial stages, God said, and it was so. Amen? Unlimited authority. But you know, even today, we can speak to those things that be not as though they were because we have access to that unlimited authority. I just don't think we use it enough. I don't think we get out, tap into it enough. But first and foremost, what we have to do, I believe, is like I said, we have to place ourselves under authority. I... I um, remember the last time I spoke here, uh, young Chris was there, and I know the lights were down, and I was having trouble seeing. And so I, I said, simply said, oh, could somebody turn the lights on? And straight away, Chris jumped up and ran to the back. You see that? Whoever was here? You know, you'll see, every now and again, you'll see Chris take off, and he's hitting up the back there, and then he'll come back, and he'll take off this way, and he's moving all the time. And I said to, to the congregation at that time, I said to him, he is a man that has placed himself under authority that will walk in authority one day and have the best platform to speak with authority because he's exercising it now. So we don't know what authority is until we put ourselves under authority. When you put yourself under the word of God and you stay under the word of God, regardless of your circumstance, you have placed yourself under authority. And because you have placed yourself under authority, you begin to understand what it is to have authority. But if that doesn't take place, you'll never understand authority. First and foremost, have to put ourselves under. Secondly, that we might walk in, as I said, using your police force as an example. And then thirdly, begin to speak with authority. But we'll never understand authority until we take that first step. We'll never understand it because we don't know how it works. 
You see, one day Chris is going to stand up and he's going to preach. He's going to have his own church. And he's going to say to demons, come out in the name of Jesus. And he knows it's going to have to take place because he knows it has to take place. You understand? Because he is a man who has put himself under authority and does what he does. He will one day speak with authority because he's placed himself under it. So when he speaks, things are going to take place. I remember growing up, we're going to finish with this story. My um, daughter, the youngest one, the, the good one, no, the youngest one, she was about this high. And we used to teach her, she used to sit on her laps, and mum used to teach her all the, the Christian songs. And, and um, we, we did a lot of talking around the table. We would talk about things, about God and about, about things in particular. And um, she, she had an amazing uh, faith. And I'll come to why he says great faith in a moment. She has an amazing faith. She, um, she would go to bed, and if she, had a, she was sick or anything, if anything was wrong with her, she would come to me and say, Daddy, I'm, I'm sick. Can you lay your hand? Can you pray for me? And I would just pray for her. And it wasn't necessarily uh, a spiritual moment. You know, it wasn't sort of uh, supported or undergirded by prayer and worship. I didn't go into, a, into praying. I just said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And she'd paddle off to bed and off she'd go. And she'd continue to do that. And then one day in particular, I remember it because we were tired. We had gone somewhere and we'd come back. And because of the day itself, she was tired. So she came and said, Daddy, I've got a headache. And so I just sort of laid over and said, in the name of Jesus, um, be healed. And she went back to bed. About five seconds later, she's back again. Daddy, the headache's still there. In the name of Jesus, uh, be healed. Now I go back to bed. When about five seconds later, she's back. And I, by this time, I was getting angry because she's waking me up. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Wanders off and never came back. And what I believe, this is where faith comes into being. You see, if we teach our children that, um, that authority is to be respected and to be admired more than ridiculed, if we, by our examples, teach them that authority is necessary for them ongoing lifestyle, that, um, that when they get old, they can speak and things are going to take place because they're now speaking in authority, haven't learned authority as they've grown through those years. What happens is when you say something into the life of that person, they believe it to the point of believing it, and they go and lie down. You know, like if I was to pray for an adult or somebody was to pray for me, sometimes I'd be going, nah, it's still there, it's, nothing's happening. Oh, crikey, no, nah, no, nah, this ain't going to work. And suddenly I've talked myself out of a blessing. Who does that? I mean, you know, I, usually there's a pain there. It's, oh, get prayed for that, and I'll talk myself out of it. But a people who believe that what's said is the ultimate authority in that circumstance, we'll see results. Amen? We'll see results. If we nurture this congregation to a point where they place themselves under authority, began to walk in authority, they began to exercise with authority at the end of the day, we will see a lot more take place in this, this assembly. We'll see a lot more take place in the spiritual world. One of the most frustrating things for me is... Um, you know, and I roused myself a lot about this because we are people who are supposed to have faith. And I roused myself a lot about this, and I'm not down on myself because I believe it, it, it's something that we all go through to come to a point where we begin to believe beyond belief. And um, I see somebody in a wheelchair, and I just walk by. I see somebody, um, you know, who is noticeably sick, and you don't feel, I don't know, 
you know, you don't feel like it's a rote moment to do something about it. You feel like you just don't have the power to function in that environment. I mean, you get in this environment here and there's worship and praise going. There's people with faith being explored. There's faith being expanded. There's faith growing. So it's a great environment. But out there in the real world, sometimes I feel like I don't have the power to do what I need to do. But having read this, having looked at this, where great faith comes from, I begin to understand that things ain't happening out there because nothing's happening in here. Now, let me, um, let me explain that a little bit more. See, we can be the children of God. We can know that God has power. We can understand that the power still exists for us today. We can know about the Holy Spirit in our life. We can know all this. But unless we put those things into practice, it, that knowledge just ain't going to work. It ain't going to function. But for that knowledge to take place, we have to first and foremost put ourselves somewhere so that we can learn how it would take place. We can learn what happens when I speak that something is going to happen now. You know, um, I suppose I grew up as a pretty rebellious sort of a bloke and didn't listen to mum and dad too much and did what I wanted to do. And I, I believe I've lost something. But I do believe having come to the faith, then I'm able to grow faith, to walk in authority, because my Heavenly Father says now that I have authority to walk. I have authority to speak. I have authority to act. I have the authority to do what needs to be done so that more people might come to Jesus Christ. I believe personally that each and every one of us, if we were to put this into practice, place ourselves first under authority, then begin to walk in authority, then with, with authority begin to exercise that authority, you won't be able to contain the number of people that will flock to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I can stand on the, out there and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord till the cows come home. But when I demonstrate his lordship over my life and through my life, then I believe I'm going to make a difference. We're not only to be people who declare, but we're people who demonstrate the power of God in this community. Not only by word, but by deed also. Amen? Am I, am I touch reaching you there? We need to have authority. We need to walk in authority so that we can demonstrate great faith. For me to have that marveled experience, I need to first and foremost put myself under authority. The authority of Jesus Christ, the authority of this assembly, the authority of those who are in authority over me place myself, even though I may not disagree with them, I place myself under authority so that I may begin walk in authority that I may one day exercise authority. Let's just pray. Father, I, um, I thank you this morning that we are the children of God. I thank you, God, that you gave us a, a written account of all that you are that as your word says, that nothing is impossible with you. As your word states, that all things can be achieved through you. As your word declares, that without you I can do nothing, but through you, with you, and in you, all things become possible. I pray, God, as children of God, as the sons and daughters of the Most High this morning, we might know that we have 
and unlimited authority in you and through you. That we have delegated authority to go into all the world and declare that you are Lord. And to demonstrate that Lordship by the things that we do. I pray, Father God, that we might all go our separate ways this morning with the idea that this authority is something that I need to place myself under so that I best understand that I might grow that to the point of great faith. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, for every head bowed here this morning, that we might say that we're sorry for making it what it is. And we pray, Father, that you will begin to speak to each and every one of us so that it might become what it's supposed to be. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this morning as you go your separate ways. With this thought in mind, I pray. Having first placed ourselves under authority, we will begin to walk in authority, and then we will declare with authority. God bless you in Jesus' name. You've just heard another great message from Christian Family Center. Thank you so much for listening in. If you have any questions about today's message or Christian Family Center, feel free to email us at info at whitsundayacc.com.au or call us on 07 4786 5555. See you next week.